Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com, joined as ever by my partner, friend, CEO, and founder of Startups.com, Will Schroeder. Will, failure is a big part of startups, right? We know this. Percentage-wise, it represents the majority of the companies that start will have some level of failure at some point. One thing that you and I like to talk about is like, how does the founder feel during all of that? How should the founder feel during all of that? And a concept that you've brought up that I will wholeheartedly support is that the founders still deserve respect in all of this, right? That simply because you failed in whatever way, shape, or form doesn't mean that you're a failure. Right. And, and and doesn't mean that you lack respect in this moment. You know, we're having hundreds and hundreds of conversations now on, on a monthly basis across our founders groups. How often is this coming up in, in your conversations? Weekly. I mean, <laughs> I think I mean, play this out, man. Statistically, most startups fail. And yet none of us really have an understanding of how we should feel in that moment or what that means. It's kind of like this. If you're playing almost any sport you're going to lose a lot, right? You're not just going to win every time. And it's almost like if no one ever talked about losing, as if winning was the only default condition for everyone involved, right? And I think in this case, because this is such an uncharted territory, everybody that goes through this, it's like puberty for the first time. They're like, oh, it's only happening to me, right? <laughs> and we get to this point where... We have to sit across from a founder, you and I, and, and all the people say in the founders groups, and we have to say, look, this is kind of how this goes. This is how you should actually be processing this. When we say how to feel, we can't prescribe how to feel, but we can give people a bit of a recipe or a playbook for how to kind of process all these emotions, which I think, would you agree, is kind of at the heart of this. Like, how should I be thinking about this? Yeah, again, I think this is another one of those where where permission gets involved a little bit. Like, it's okay to feel certain ways about this, right? Right. And and yeah, it's not going to feel great. Nothing we're going to say today is going to make you go, I failed and it feels awesome, man. I can't right, wait right. to do that again. I hope the I can't wait to do that again part is true, meaning that you've got the tenacity and the perseverity to come back and, and to do this thing again, despite failure. But yeah, there is a playbook. There is a kind of a, a way to process this. And in a lot of ways, like I think what we'll talk about today are, are, are things you should also ignore, right? So there are some ways that maybe you shouldn't process this or will be less healthy if you process them in that way. Yeah, so let's dig into it, man. All right, so before we get into this, I just want to let you know what we talk about here is like 1% of the conversation. You know, really this conversation is going on all day long online at groups.startups.com where Ryan and I pretty much talk endlessly with founders about every one of these topics. So if by the end of this discussion, you like the topic and you want to dig into it a little bit more with Ryan and I, just head to groups.startups.com and we'll pick it up from there. Yeah, well, okay, so at, at a high level, here's here's a great way to not process it. Stuff it all way down. Don't talk to anybody about it. Right? Shut yourself off from the world in your cocoon and just beat yourself up nonstop, which is kind of where we all land. <laughs> so that is by far the worst possible way to go about this. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, yeah. The, the full internalization. Yeah, let's just uh, just shove it deep down. Maybe it'll crystallize into a diamond under all that pressure and heat. <laughs> it does it not. It doesn't turn into a diamond. <laughs> we mentioned founder groups. This is just a pretty common form for this. But I mean, it could be whatever, you know, your circle of trust yeah. looks like. But I think when folks in the founder groups are opening up about these things, we've had some people in the last month, let's say, and that's pretty common. I mean, it just happens. You know, being in a particular group, I've been in a few of them where 
founders have opened up and they've said, hey, yeah. this didn't work. And I don't even know how to process all this. I mean, there's there's kind of binary stuff. Like, I know I need to wind things down. I need to take care of finances. You know, the term they use, settle my affairs. But that's not really what we're talking about. They're, they're, they're not asking. That's so final. Yeah, well, no, I know. I was, I was trying to not use that, but that's kind of how it feels. But I think that's not really what their concerns are. Their concerns are, how do I close the bank account? Their concerns, often so raw and so early, really stems from, how do I process this? Like mentally, you know, um, sure. my personal validation is at stake in a big way. My feeling of self is at stake. My relationship, all these things are all of a sudden mushrooming. And I've been thinking about them and worrying about them, but I'm not processing them. And I'm sure as hell not talking about them. Yeah, and that's, that's I mean, the, the stem of, of so many founder issues is just the silence. I'm just going to stay in my cone of silence and shame and not talk about this to anyone. And, and then eventually uh, something else will happen that will distract me and I'll feel a little bit better temporarily. But that stuff does add up just like bad debt. Yeah, we've talked about this uh, across a couple of episodes. We, we talked about, you know, separating self from the startup. Um, and I would say there is no harder time to do that than when things are going wrong, right? Funnily enough, it's easier to do it when things are going right, because then you can turn around, you can high five the team, you can, you know, can give accolades to everybody that helped can contribute to this. But at the very end of failure, we've talked about this before too, there's nobody to high five, right? Did you like, well, guys, we gave it our best shit. There is no one else in the room. Right? I am now completely and utterly alone. I think socially two things happen. I think the first thing that happens is we start to cut ourselves off from the group. Yes. Right? You know, whatever our social connections are, people that work there, et cetera. And we just want to create some insulation because we either don't want to have that conversations. And I get it. I get why you wouldn't want to have those conversations. Maybe you're not ready for them or maybe you are ready for them. You still just don't want to have them, right? Totally both make sense. The second though is you've got all these constituencies, friends, families, investors, employees, customers in some case, social media at large, right? All of these people that you're sitting there going, well, how are they going to process it? Right. And in really all this maps back to our own validation. Right. If, if everybody thought it was awesome that you shut it down, you'd have no problem with this. Right. But we start making up all of these scenarios as to how people are going to process this. And, and most of them are wrong. In almost every case, we wildly overshoot people's reaction. You know, TLDR, no one gives a shit. And beyond that, we begin this whole process. And we probably started it a while ago with just torturing ourselves. Right. We're like, you know, we're going to beat ourselves up with a bunch of what ifs and hey, you know, what do they think and this all these things. And in the end, it's going to buy us nothing. It's going to cost us a ton. And guess what? We're going to be totally wrong. <laughs> we're gonna, like we're going to look back and go, oh, my God, what a colossal waste of time and effort and emotion that was. I went about it all wrong. And I think, you know, that's essentially what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, it comes from a lot of places, but I think that one of the major ones is revisiting all those conversations with those people, social media less so, right, but like individuals, right? So friends, family, staff, co-founders, investors, all those conversations you had early on where this was the best thing ever, everything was going well, and sometimes those conversations weren't all that long ago, right? Startups can turn on a dime. And is that still is that still a phrase? Do we still have? Do we still issue dimes? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You can. Knows? It's like you can turn on an Amex, 
<laughs> right. Uh, never understood that either. But in any case, you know, these things can happen fast, right? The tides can change quickly. And what was a conversation of you selling this thing into the stratosphere three months ago, six months ago, a year ago, is now the exact opposite. And it's returning to Earth in a burning hunk, right? So, Right, right. And, and the world just went through this at scale with COVID, right, Ryan? Sure did. Sure did. Absolutely. I mean, at so many levels, this has just been happening everywhere, which I think makes the episode fairly timely. But but if, if we were to say, here are a few of the high points that we always use to kind of create a structure and like we mentioned, like a recipe around how to process this. First one, first and foremost, if you're sitting across from us right now, Ryan and I, and we're having this conversation, right, either in, <laughs> hello, either in a founder group or a one-on-one, two-on-one setting, I guess in this case. First thing we'd be very clear about, no one else even took a swing. And, and what that means is we're so worried about what so many other people who weren't founders think, right? It's the equivalent of sitting in the stands talking about what a crap job the quarterback did or, you know, you know, name your sport. And then the quarterback turning around and going, dude, you've never even done my job. <laughs> like you seem to have a strong opinion of what I should and shouldn't have done. That's the appropriate response, right? That's the appropriate response. Unfortunately, it'd be like me sitting courtside and like, I don't know, Steph Curry missing the game winning shot and then turning to me and me like having a disappointed look on my face being like, dude, you got to square up and him being like, you know what, Ryan, you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and then like thinking about that for the next three weeks, like I have any idea how to shoot the ball better than he does, having not even shot a basketball in probably 15 years. Like, but we take this shit to heart. Like, we listen to the armchair quarterbacks. We listen to the assholes who haven't tried. Where the appropriate response is, you know what, Fred? Go file your TPS report and go fuck yourself. You've got a regular job. You have no idea what I went through to get here. You've never tried this. So your input, while no, not even appreciated, is also not valid. So I don't need it. Take it elsewhere. That should be the response. Maybe not quite that strong, but I'm a little fired up today. And you can Google it because I'm going to kill this entire explanation. But I saw one of the most amazing responses years ago by the man himself, Steve Jobs. And he was getting ridiculed by a reporter. I think it was Valley Wag back when Valley Wag was still around. But, it, you know, it, it was oh, one yeah. of these kind of super cynical blogs back in the day. And they were talking about, I, I can't remember either the MacBook or some product that was, you know, they were kind of like just you know, burning them about something. And Jobs, in pure Jobs fashion, doesn't go press release or anything else like that. And this is kind of before social media, really, at any level of scale. He writes them directly. And he says, hey, what have you ever done? He said, I created the Macintosh and the iPhone. What the fuck have you done? <laughs> and it was, and the, the blogger, of course, because Steve Jobs wrote to him, like, you know, posted about it. And I just remember the comment thread back when there were comment threads. Uh, the comment thread was just like high-fiving Steve Jobs to be like, honestly, that's kind of the answer, Right. And this world needs criticism and it needs all of these things, you know, and there's a certain place for that. But this isn't one of them. Also, side note, if you aren't a big fan of Ryan and I in profanity, this probably won't be the episode for you <laughs> because we feel pretty strongly about this topic and the F-bomb usually comes out consistently. So either, you know, arm the mute button. Yeah, you're probably going to hear some colorful language today. So just be prepared. Well, and again, we're pretty damn passionate 
about this topic. So just appreciate our horrible decorum for what it is, which is we turn into uh, mindless cavemen because we are incredibly passionate about this topic and the support. I think what you're saying is we give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> trying to avoid it, but I couldn't. Um, <laughs> but, but look, okay, so, so coming back, no one else even took a swing. The fundamental issue that we start with, when again, we're separating the people that we're concerned about. First order of magnitude should be, are the people who we're concerned about, are they the types of people that actually should have a voice in all of this, right? Right. Is this Mark Andreessen or is this Ryan sitting courtside? I mean, think about it this way. If you were to kind of list out all of the people that you're concerned about, and by the way, you should, and, and here's how I've done it, and this is this is weird and maniacal and whatever, but I'm not too proud to admit it. When I was all stressed out about failing, I started to think about all the people that I was stressed out about failing in front of, right? And kind of who who was specifically in the audience. I I took it off the table to be this amorphous kind of cloud of people, and I started to list who exactly those people are. By the way, it's never as many people as you think it is, right? But I listed who they are, and then I did this weird thing because I put everything in a spreadsheet because I'm a weirdo. I listed each person, and then I listed exactly what I was concerned about them thinking, and then what the outcome of that thought would be, right? So I remember at the time, like, I was concerned about the press. I don't know why. We weren't even getting enough press to matter, so <laughs> I think I was We don't care about you. We're not going to write about the fact that you failed. We didn't even know you existed. Yeah. <laughs> Answered nothing. But, but this was just a mental exercise, and I'm a big fan of this, of just externalizing stuff in my head so I can see it. And, and a couple things happened, and I thought this was fascinating. First thing that happened is once I got past row like 16, and I was really trying, I ran out of people in the audience. So in my mind, the stands were packed of people that I was going to disappoint and, and be a failure in front of, right? But yeah. when I had to dissect it, and say, okay, well, who are we talking about exactly? And I had to point to the faces in the crowd. There were like 16. And if I'm being honest, 16 was like a tortured number, right? Because I thought I was going to get to like hundreds. Right. 16. You can you can rent a van at Hertz that you can fit 16 people in, right? It's not a lot of people. You can forget about 16 people. And so the second thing that I did, though, is I said, you know, what am I concerned about them thinking? You know, what is that thought bubble that's in their head? Um, and again, I just wanted to see it. I also wanted to see if they were different each time or if it was just kind of the same thing, right? No surprise, kind of mostly the same thing, right? Here's investors that I'm concerned about. I don't see why their thought process would be really any different. So really, I can just group all of those and say, all investors have this response. Now it's just one person in the audience, right? And this was just this really kind of interesting technique that I used to get out of my head. But once I did it, I realized there were only a handful of people, or in this case, maybe some archetypes that I was concerned about, and that their concerns weren't that big. And then, you know, kind of the talked about in the past episode, the time and the intensity of those concerns. Severity and duration, really important here. Were really small. But the one thing that yeah. stood out to me is that all the names that I that I put down of people that I was concerned about, like how they would feel, a lot of them weren't founders. And I thought that was really interesting. Yep. And then I started to think, I'm like, hmm, what would they compare my experience or what I just went through to their experience, right? And maybe that was me just trying to like, you know, satisfy my own ego and validate myself. I'm sure it was. But it was telling. And I was like, man, there's a lot of people that I'm listing out that actually have no idea what I just went through. And yet I'm somehow really concerned about their input. And again, maybe it's trivializing a little bit. But it worked. 
because I started to realize that those people weren't really who I was concerned about. Who I was concerned about were the actual other founders. You know, those were the people whose opinions I was like, they've played this game, you know, right? When Tom Brady loses, he doesn't lose a lot, but when he does, you know, he's worried about what other athletes think because in his mind, those are the people that have an understanding of what they do. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, he's worried he'll get moved to somewhere weird like Tampa Bay. <laughs> and just keep waiting. Still win the damn Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, by the way, I just want to mention if what we're talking about today sounds like the kind of discussion you wish you were having more often, you actually can. You know, we're online all day, every day, working through exactly these types of topics with founders just like you. So any question you would have or maybe some problem you just want to work through, we're here and we love this stuff. And we're easy to find. You know, head over to groups.startups.com and let's just start talking. So I think that the next aspect of this and, and to your point, Will, as you went through that list and you started calling that down to just the people who, who really mattered, in this case, those being the other founders and mattered in the sense that they had context not necessarily mattered in the sense that they were going to provide you a whole bunch of objective feedback or anything else, right? But they matter in the sense that they had that context. And I think, go back to that experience. So when you talk to those other founders, did you find yourself facing a lot of disappointment, a lot of judgment? You know, were they telling you all the things that you should have done right? Is that how that went down? It was the polar opposite. There's two parts to this, right? And I want to be be clear. Part of it is the moment we start putting thought bubbles and word bubbles over people's icons, right? We're screwed <laughs> because we're always going to write the worst possible, you know, outcome. Yep. And and we're going to assume that is fact, which again, in in every context of human communication, is a massive miss, and we do it at scale at this point in our lives. The second thing is we totally overlook that they have their own line of thinking. And by the way, we can't just predict all the words that are gonna come out of their mouths or what matters to them or anything else like that. And it's such a miss because when I'm making that spreadsheet of everybody's responses, isn't that exactly what I'm doing? I'm telling them what they think, which I mean, when you say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous, right? But that's essentially what I was doing. So I sat down with founders, right? You know, Some that were marginally connected to this thing, others that weren't that connected to it. And here's what, what I got from all of them that wasn't on my spreadsheet, that I massive miss. I got empathy, right? None of them were, were like, boy, what an idiot you were, right? And even if they, they were thinking that <laughs> at some level, and I don't think they were, what they were saying is, hey, I actually went through the same thing, and here's what it looked like, right? Empathy, sympathy. They were basically trying to say, you're not alone, and you're okay, which is the polar opposite of what was on my spreadsheet. You weren't supposed to right. say that. That wasn't on my spreadsheet. The letter that I wrote from you to me said something really different, right? Like, that's <laughs> not what you said at all. Like, who are you? Ryan, I, I think we forget that the people who have been in our shoes feel very differently about how we feel. Of course they do. They look at it as, holy shit, I've either been through this or this could happen to me. You were mentioning the other day that, that you had an incident, you know, involving somebody else's kid. And it's just rang so true. What, what was that? Yeah. So, you know, the ability to feel empathy, right? So friend of ours, friends of ours, a couple friends of ours had left town, not far, but they were out of town 
out of reach and and their little girl had an accident um she's totally fine but she had uh, got some pretty classic kid cuts the one above the eyebrow the one at the corner collided with the coffee table and like all head wounds lots of blood and a very sad little girl so you know my wife jumped into action and just took on being a mom right and she's the one that you know took her to the clinic got to the hospital we just kind of circled the wise but like you feel it right you understand exactly and I, I'm the one that called the parents to let them know what had happened and what was going on and what steps we were taking and what they wanted us to do. But in that moment, there was no, you know, there, there was zero separation between me and have, that having been my own child, right? And the same thing happens in a startup company because you can imagine, how would I feel were I an hour and a half away and this happened and I knew I couldn't get there. I couldn't be the one, you know, cuddling her and calming her and making her feel better. It's an awful feeling. The same thing happens in a startup company, whether you've been through it before or not, doesn't matter. You can still project yourself into that moment and go, I know what that would feel like and it does not feel good, right? So again, the last thing you're gonna come with is criticism. The last thing you're gonna come with is, oh, well, why weren't you there? Why, why didn't you do this? You know, why didn't you, you know, make sure that they'd be safe? It's not those feelings at all. It's, I know what that would feel like. I can empathize with that. I feel bad for you. Um, by proxy, I feel bad just even thinking about what that would be like for me. So that definitely happens. I mean, that in the moment when we start to share, um, and again, like it doesn't have to be full on failure. That's sort of what we're talking about today is you know the wind down, the end of the era, the end of the startup. But even just when things go wrong within a startup company, right? Like, you know, you blew your entire marketing budget and nothing happened, right? You made a really bad hire. You lose a co-founder. There's a lot of things that can feel really, you know, like, like failures at the time, right? They're just part of the journey, but they are failures in, in some way, shape or form. And we can relate to all of those things, right? You know, some of us have been through full failure. Some of us have been through the partial. Right. But part of this is deliberately surrounding ourselves with the people that actually know what we just went through. I instinctively tried to do the opposite. I figured these were all my peers and I'm ashamed. And so I want to keep them at length. I, you know, I don't want to have them see my shame and my failure, right? Which is, to be fair, no one gave a shit, right? I mean, and when I say that, I don't mean that they didn't care about me. I mean, none of them were put off by what I did wrong, right? You know, I failed at a startup, big deal, right? Yeah, but that's not how it feels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What I, what I should have done is I should have grabbed those folks as quickly as I could have and surrounded myself with them and had those conversations over and over and over so that I could start to understand that my feelings were right as far as you know my lack of validation and all these things and have the right people giving me input. And so like now, you know, we get somebody who's in a founder group and they've got seven other founders that are sitting around them that know exactly what they've just gone through. And in many cases, you know, they've been meeting with them constantly and talking to them constantly for months, years, whatever, and really understand the journey, really understand the outcome. But here's the other side of it that I don't think folks understand. I really should have leaned on those people to help me get me through to the other side, right? All of those people in the stands weren't gonna help me with shit, right? They were gonna have their opinions or whatever, and like, it wasn't going to be helpful right? I need to surround myself with people who really know what I just went through so they could help me through it. And I think that was my biggest miss, which was not just grabbing onto those folks as quickly as possible and being as honest as possible, you know, at what was essentially a really vulnerable time, you know? Yeah. The instinct is to defend, 
when the instinct should be, or the reaction should be, to open yourself up, be vulnerable, and allow help to happen, right? Yeah, we, we've all seen like that, that honorable scene in sports where, where somebody limps off the field with the injury. But let's be honest, this isn't the kind of injury you walk off, right? This is big, this is bad, right? Allow yourself to be carried off on the stretcher. It's there for a reason. And the people who are going to bear the weight of that stretcher are the founders who are around you. And there is absolutely no shame in that, right? In fact, I think that, you know, being in a position where when you open up, and you will find that this is almost always true, that founders will want to dive in with that empathy, sympathy, and help, that says something, right? It says something about, it's a recognition of the effort that you put in. And you've talked about this before, but the respect comes from the playing, right? Not just from the winning, right? They will support you, not because, oh, well, you did this amazing thing or like, gosh, this, this, it should have worked or like, you know, something you did in the past was amazing. This is just one failure, has nothing to do with it. They're looking at you going, this guy, this girl, this gal, this woman, this man, whoever did everything they could ground themselves into the dirt to try to make this work, this is where they are now. Let's pick them up, let's dust them off, let's remind them that this is worth moving forward with. Again, you'll be okay, but not on your own, right? So again, it's that instinctual shift where we have to go, I wanna hide myself from having to have this conversation because I'm afraid of the negativity that's gonna come at me. And just know if you're not yet in that position or that you're finding yourself on this path, open up to that, allow that help to come in. It's going to make this far easier, far faster. So when we talk about those, those, two, those two magic words that you've brought up, severity and duration, this is going to reduce the severity of the failure and it's gonna reduce the duration of the, the period of time in which it impacts your life, big time. Like we're talking exponentially. You know, there's another side to this, which is we're talking about as the founder, how we should reach out. But what we're implying, and I think let's, let's talk about it directly, if you're in this founder's orbit and they've the business has just taken a header, it is incumbent upon you as respect to every other founder to step in and help and understand that many of them are going to be resistant to help, right? Their first thing is that they're going to want to create that insulation, just stay out of my that world, shield goes up. Hey, yep. you know, quick terse response message. Hey, thanks for the help. Appreciate you checking in. Bye. <laughs> I have such a collection of those yeah, uh, no, as first I know, responses. I know. The thread continues, but only because I force it, right? Like th they wanted to leave it there for all the wrong reasons. I've got a collection of emails that I've sent to founders I actually don't know that well, whereby I wrote what I considered a long and very personal email where they'd publicly failed at something, right? And again, it's a founder that I didn't know super well, but well enough that I could send them an email. And I knew their inbox was gonna be loaded with all kinds of weird shit. I wanted at least one message that showed absolutely respect for what they did. While the messages have varied, the theme looks something like this. Number one, founder to founder, I've been where you've been, I know what you're feeling, and it's shitty. I won't sugarcoat it. However, founder to founder, I have an amazing amount of respect for what you accomplished you know, on that journey. And here are the things that you did that no one else has done, right? Call it what you will, but these are things that you did that other people will never do because they don't have you know, what it takes to even suit up and get on the field. And you're one of very few of us who are even willing to do that. And because of that, you have you know, an eternal amount of respect. And I think every single time I've sent those, and I think it's unexpected because often they're like, where's Will send me an email? Like, where's this coming from? But 
surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, I get these really heartfelt responses. And more often than not, it's thanks. Like I actually needed to hear, actually, you know, I've got a great one. I'm actually gonna call one out if that's okay. And you can actually Google this because I did this publicly. Years and years and years and years ago, uh, Sam Altman, who became the president of YC, long before he became the president of YC, had started a company, I think it was called Looped. And they'd raised a ton of money. This is like in the mid-2000s-ish. Sam was, Sam was young now, but he was even, I mean, he was a kid back then. And Looped had sold, I think, to Walmart. And again, my memory is terrible, but like I think for like, say, $40 million, and maybe they raised $40 million. The information's out there. You can, you can find it, so, so I'm not revealing anything. But I remember it got posted on the forum Hacker News. And it was basically Looped sells for $40 million. And the thread was incredibly negative. Right. And I'm reading this and my blood is boiling. Right. Basically saying, you know, basically, hey, he raised, thought he was a big deal, you know, sold for too little, blah, blah, blah. And I almost never post in forums. That's the funniest thing. Right. Like this is so unique to me. But this pissed me off. Right. And so I wrote in the forum. And again, I'm sure this is Googleable. It's sitting there somewhere in an archive. I basically said, fuck you guys. Right. I was like, none of you understand what it took for him to get where he got to do what he's done. And none of you even deserve to be able to have this conversation. And I remember saying something to the effect of, you guys are the equivalent of watching someone run an entire marathon and then standing at the finish line at the end and saying, hey, you didn't run it fast enough, right? Fuck you. And so, so Sam responds, he emails me, and he said, dude, you're the only person that's defended me in all of this. Right. And to be fair, that's Sam Ullman, who went on to become like this amazing entrepreneur and think about his moment, how he was feeling. Right. And then to have all the people that should have been in his inner circle gang up on him. Right. Can't happen. Right. And I'll never forget, like a couple months later, we ended up getting lunch together and he was like, I, I can't thank you enough. Right. He's a super kind guy. Right. Whatever. And I just remember thinking, like, I would do that for anybody. I have no idea who you are. I just know as another founder, this just, it's not okay. Yeah, it's not okay. Shouldn't be happening. And so my point there is, I think for other founders, when one of our brothers and sisters is down, it's our job to step up and carry them off the field, right? Like, like that is, that is what we are here for. And, and I, I think that's an important call. You know what I mean? Again, we are uniquely positioned to provide that empathy right? They are not going to get it from somewhere else. So to, to say that slightly differently, if, if we as founders don't step up to help, nobody else is capable of stepping up and helping in the same way. It's why when, when there's an emergency on an airplane, they ask, is there a doctor here, right? It's not, <laughs> is there anybody else here who'd be willing to try to poke this guy in the throat with a pen? Right? This is not about your willingness to try. Like a lot of people in your life will be willing to try to help you right at that moment all your good friends your family they will be willing to try they're going to get it wrong and they may get it wrong in some critical ways that will actually make you feel worse about this right they'll tell you things like look you tried yeah, but you know good thing you got that career to fall back on right the last thing i need to hear right now right there's a lot of things that people will say well intended and absolutely pave the road to you feeling like hell so as entrepreneurs as founders we owe it to the community to step up in that moment because we're the only ones who are appropriately equipped to be able to provide the right insight, the right level of empathy, the right level of care, the right level of advice. And, and people don't always need advice in those moments. What they really do need is just that empathy. So give it to them, right? 
chances are, as a founder, you're going to fail at some point, right? To some degree, you're gonna go through a failure. Chances are, as a founder, you've got people around you who are probably failing or about to right now. So take those opportunities, strengthen those bonds, build the community. Uh, I mean, this is what we're here for, right? And like you said, we're seeing this over and over and over again in Founders Group and not surprising, right? It's not surprising at all to hear these conversations come up, nor is it surprising that the founders are all jumping to support but boy, does it feel good to see it happen. It does feel good to see it happen. And, and you're right, I think if we were to really look at this, you know, objectively as founders supporting other founders, if I were to really kind of paraphrase what I would love our dictum and our message to be to another founder, first and foremost, this is not your last startup, right? This is the end of your last startup, right? Very differently, right? You've proven through this whole thing that you have what it takes to suit up and get on the field. And by the way, sometimes it doesn't work. And by the way, maybe the next one won't work, but you still have the respect of all of your peers. You've shown that you have what it takes to suit up and play. So keep playing, right? Reload, let's talk about how to get into the next one when you're ready. And when you do, when you suit up again, we'll all be there on your team, full support all the time. Fuck yeah. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer, from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. Thank you.